Hello and welcome back to Joko Yo. Uh, the next couple episodes, few episodes, is going to be done in, in sort of a story-like format because the more and more I researched it, the more of a story, engaging story, and typically, specifically involving Johnston and Harnett in some of the surrounding areas, um, sort of all together. And so, again, like maybe four, the next, the next four or five episodes are going to sort of go in a, in, a, in a serial formation. Episode one, two, three, four, five. But but really, you stay with me. Some pretty cool stuff, and and it's entitled "What a Tangled Web We Weave" because it shows well everything. And so, without further. This is going to be fun. I like telling stories. Here we go. April 1865. Washington Duke of the Confederate Navy was released from military prison and dropped off in New Bern with no money and nothing but its clothes. He had no option but to walk home to his small subsistence farm in Durham County. Following the Noose River and and the roads and the little bit of train track that existed, he made his way along the 134 miles home. He walked through Johnston, through Old Hinton's Quarter area, through the south side of modern Smithfield, which was woodland and farmland then, along the old Smith's Ferry area, probably up the Smithfield-Lewisburg Road, which is today Buffalo Road. He walked through Boone Hill earlier, modern-day Princeton, and through Wilson's Mills, which did not exist yet, and on to Raleigh, following the Noose River. Washington Duke had seen hard days. These were included. And the land that he went to really wasn't worth much, but it was home. It had little tobacco and subsistence crops, but it wasn't much. Things were about to change. Because at that time, the 17th of April, 1865, General William Tecumseh Sherman of the Union Army was meeting General Joseph Johnston of the Confederate Army for the final Confederate surrender negotiations at Bennett Courthouse, four miles from his farm. Now, since it was the largest Confederate surrender of the war, 90,000 soldiers were surrendered, were, in, were engaged in this. Negotiations would take a while, and they finally ended on the 26th of April. According to legend, some of Sherman's soldiers and some of Johnston's soldiers wandered around searching for food and stuff while they were waiting. Union and Confederate soldiers somehow came across his tobacco and became fans. They also took back some tobacco home and told friends and family where it came from. When Washington Duke got back home, most of his good tobacco had been looted, raided, and the only thing he was left with was some cheap, smoking tobacco so he had nothing and all he really could do is try to make the most of what he's got so duke took some tobacco back east along the same route that he walked home and tried to sell to some eastern merchants the trip was successful just after the war of course and he did he was able to buy some necessities for his kids and also some supplies to produce more smoking tobacco. Once he saw that people in the East would want it, he decides to try to do the best he can to make more money out of it. 
It was successful. It was so successful that the next year he was able to produce 15,000 pounds of tobacco and began to market the product. The old days were gone. And the product he came up with was something called Pro Bono Publica Tobacco. Basically, it means for the people. From a bit of just sheer luck and a lot of hard work and uh, even more desperation, Washington Duke took the scraps of what he was left with and turned it into a, essentially an empire because not only was he selling back east, but people in the north wanted some of his tobacco too. And people in the south, further south, wanted some tobacco too. And Washington Duke was never poor again. He established a factory, began to hire people, and eventually got big enough to push this factory to move it to the small village of Durham to produce more and more. And he made enough money to buy neighboring tobacco farms. He made enough money to buy a patent for a cigarette rolling machine, which meant by buying the patent, no one else could do it but him. And so, by the time his son, James Buchanan Duke, known as Buck, got to be in charge of the company, was old enough, the company grew exponentially, with, along with his brother, Benjamin Newton Duke, who established a power company to run the cigarette rolling machine, which became Duke Power. They built textile mills to produce pouches for the tobacco and hired an excellent executive to run them in a guy named William H. Irwin, and bought and laid train tracks to distribute the product. They even bought a college, a Methodist college named Trinity, renamed it, and moved it to Durham. Of course, that's Duke. Now, Benjamin Duke, the other son of Washington Duke, eventually became wealthy enough to marry the daughter of the owner of one of the largest lumber mills in the state, also located in Durham, called Cary Lumber. Her father was named Malborn Anger, and the new Mrs. Duke was born Sarah Pearson Anger. Her brother was named, was named Jonathan Cicero Anger. Jonathan operated the sawmill operations in Durham, and he really wanted to take advantage of the vast lumber forest of northern Harnet, just south of Durham. So he helped to extend the Cape Fear and Northern Railroad, which he owned, partially, from Apex to a popular general store and turpentine distillery owned by a man named Jake Williams. Mr. Williams sold some of the land to Mr. Anger, who moved his lumber mill to the depot area, divided land to lots, and sold it to workers. And the town of Anger was born. That is story number one. It's short But what we see happen here is luck, hard work, desperation, and we will get the birth of a town called Anger. That's part one. Part two coming up next couple of days. Hope you enjoyed it. 